Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's been a couple weeks, but we're back to talking Chiefs with beat writer Jesse Newell and columnists Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian. The Chiefs are coming off a two-touchdown victory at the Las Vegas Raiders, a game in which they seem to take care of issues that have been impacting the team the past few games. They scored in the second half. They picked up third and short first downs and featured a wide receiver in rookie Rushy Rice. Also, the Chiefs didn't have a turnover and they kept the penalties down. It all made a difference in one of the more impressive victories of the season. We talk about all that and much more on today's show. So let's get started. Well, we were all a little late today. And um, the reason that I was late was because I was listening to Melissa Etheridge sing, I was a Chiefs long before they were cool. Have you heard that yet? <laughs> You'll have to get on Twitter and find it. She 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 composed it uh, and performed it on the NFL Network this morning. So, uh, Chiefs super fan Melissa Etheridge, long long before Taylor Swift, mind you, uh, uh, with a, with a fun song. It, it's fun. Do so, we know if Melissa and Taylor know each other a bit? I think I read somewhere that Taylor Swift was influenced by Melissa Etheridge in her in her music. So one of one of her early influences in her music and beyond apparently. That's right. So very cool. Very cool. You guys realize we haven't talked uh for this podcast since a couple of days after returning from Germany. So we missed the Eagles game and now we're picking it up uh after the Chiefs beat the Raiders on on Sunday uh, as they prepare for the green trip to the Green Bay Packers this weekend and it, it's there's there's always something to talk about after a Chiefs game, I. But when they win a game following a loss, there's there seems to be even more to discuss. Um, did they correct the problems of the previous game's uh, decision when they lost the Philadelphia Eagles? Did they find the solutions against the the Vegas Raiders, and can they take that forward? So let's let's start with some of those issues. I. You know, uh, uh, the in, in against the Eagles on that um, on on that Monday night game, there was um, some offensive problems. They had the ten point lead and uh, and ended up losing all of that. But um, the the second half scoring woes continued in that game. Those got resolved against the Raiders. Short yardage situations. Um, they seem to be better in the last couple games there. Wide receiver production seemed to have picked up against the Raiders. So I guess this is just a long-winded way of me asking, uh, should we feel confident that the problems that the Chiefs have showed over the last month or so, really, they're two and two in their last four games. So the last the problems of the last month have they been resolved? And Vahe, let's start with you since you were the you're last in, first on. Okay. Well, look, I would say this. Um, what, what we saw against the Raiders certainly beats the alternative. And if you're kind of looking at the continuum of the season, you'd say the Chiefs uh, repaired some things, got better. Uh, the measure of that, of course, will be the staying power, especially the staying power as you get on into the postseason. But, um, you know, the, the catalog of things that have been going wrong, virtually all of them, um, we're, we're done better against the Raiders. 
Now, a lot of that has to do with quality of opponent. Um, and a lot of that also could be intermittent. But I think I think you'd say you you like the way the Chiefs looked coming out of that game better than you you felt coming coming you know out of the Eagles game. And I I, I guess that's about as far as I'm willing to go. I think better uh, got better, and the whole measure that's going to be whether that that is extended through through uh, some harsher environments coming up. Tell you, I I thought the Eagles game. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there was a hangover or some impact from from that effort. They carried into the Vegas game. They're down fourteen. Chiefs are down fourteen to nothing, and could have been more. But uh, but the Raiders missed a field goal, like a short field goal. So that their first three possessions went touchdown, miss field goal, touchdown. Meanwhile, the Chiefs punted away their first two possessions. It could have been a it could have been a 17 or 21 nothing deficit for the Chiefs, possibly, but um but it wasn't. And then Miss Field Goal actually was, I forgot who wrote it. Was it Sam or maybe, maybe Jesse? One of you guys tweeted it. It was the best offensive play for the Chiefs in the you know, the first quarter was uh, Carlson missing that field goal. But what do you think, Sam? With it um uh, Chiefs righted the ship quickly, but I, I it's still a little alarming the way they came out in that uh, game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it was, but um, look, I mean, the, the Chiefs have been who they are for 11 games now, so I'm going to need to see probably more than one one day to consider everything fixed. But there were, uh, you know, several things within the game that I thought were encouraging because I've been, I as much as anybody, I feel like I've been talking about the their lack of downfield passing game. And kind of thought it, it might be that that would get them going. And instead, it was the stuff, the just the short chunk plays over and over again. And, you know, they didn't they didn't complete a pass that traveled more than 20 yards in the air. And so, like, that's the type of stuff that is going to be required moving forward. So, um, you know, the thing I wrote up to the game was I just thought they executed all the easy stuff. And it's been pretty glaring that that's what's not been executed. And some of that is – you know, Blair, you wrote about it um, today. Um, Jesse, I know you've got something additional coming on it, but short yardage was the most simplest of calls. Um, you know, it was just a, a bunch of the easy stuff that I just think hasn't been there for them. I will push back a little bit on the opponent driven because the Raiders have a better than average defense this year so far. Um, and even their past defense was, I think, 13th going into that game uh, on DVOA. And I think now it's dropped to 15th, but um, the Raiders have not played terribly this year. So I do think it's probably more encouraging than it would be against most Raiders teams. But yeah, I mean, the million dollar question is whether or not this is going to last. And I still am going to side with the fact that, you know, that they've played a double digit amount of games that, that haven't looked like that one. Yeah. The caveat with that, Sam, I think we want to throw in there is that 13th DVOA is probably with Max Crosby fully healthy. And even talking to MVS after the game, he said that they got some defensive looks from the Raiders where he felt like they were being a little bit more cautious because they didn't have their star on the front end where they could rely on him to, to create the pressure. So we'll at least throw that a little bit of caveat in there, but that's the best we've seen the chiefs look offensively. And it got back to what we saw from them last year, you know, um, short plays continue to get six or seven yards. But I think one thing that we do have to highlight, maybe one thing that is different um, that I've seen the last couple of weeks is the interior pass, I'm sorry, interior run blocking. And, you know, you look at the PFF grades and Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith both have basically 
um, numbers that they haven't seen since last season. Um, especially Creed Humphrey, the last two games have been really impressive in there. And it alleviates a lot of the pressure on the offense when uh, you've got a, a running back in Isaiah Pacheco who doesn't break a lot of tackles, but seems to get the yardage that's there and, and has gotten much better with his vision. And now you've got a couple maulers inside, especially Creed Humphrey, where if you feel really confident about getting a yard on third and one or two or three on third and one, all of a sudden these drives keep going and we start talking about this offense being a lot better. So to me, that might be the best progress of the last couple of weeks. Not that you want the Chiefs to rely only on the running game. We know running's not as efficient as passing is, but when you can extend these drives, we know the Chiefs have to extend because they're not getting those downfield passing plays. Then that's a big part of the offense. That's a big part of scoring points. That's a big part of the Chiefs having so many 70-yard touchdown drives in this game against the Raiders, where we didn't see those in games past. Hey, my my caveat to your caveat, um, uh, this was a Raiders team with a head coach, interim head coach in his fourth game, I believe. He was two and one, uh, so he's Antonio pairs off to a nice start. And a quarterback who was starting his fifth game, uh, if the Chiefs didn't win that combination or prevail in that combination, I would have been uh, that might have been the most troubling loss of the season, maybe even more so than the, the Broncos loss earlier this year. Broncos, by the way, have really turned things around and are, I think they're six and five right now and smelling the playoffs, uh, certainly a playoff charge. Um, yeah, we, a lot to, a lot to get to there. Uh, but before we get into like short yardage and uh, I want to, I want, I do want to talk about the downfield passing that, that Mahomes throw to Kelsey, the first of the two plays that totaled 51 yards, both Mahomes to Kelsey. The second one, of course, was the flea flicker. But the first one was um, as as nice a throw as we've seen Mahomes make in a few weeks where he dropped it in over the linebacker to Kelsey. I don't want to say we used to see that routinely, but we we we, we, have, we saw those types of plays more often than we're seeing them this year. And it was a little, it was just refreshing to see that one, you know, from our vantage point in the press box, we had a great view of it and how he um, j- just a perfectly thrown ball. Interestingly, interestingly, um, Sam, I think you asked uh, Patrick about it after the game. That wasn't the throw to Kelsey that, that Mahomes thought was uh, the catalyst uh, that, that turned things around on the offensive side. Muted there. Um, it was uh, it was funny. It, he actually criticized that throw. He thought he threw it a little bit short, but Kelsey just uh, didn't put his hands up until the last minute. So the defender, since the the linebacker had his back turned uh, to Mahomes, just didn't know it was coming because Kelsey was able to put his hands up so late. Um, but yeah, I just asked him. I, I said, "What what play over those first two drives?" Because the the Chiefs put together three consecutive seventy plus yard drives for the first time all season. It's only the fourth time they've had back to back seventy plus yard drives. So I just asked him in the you know in the first half, "What which play stands out to you?" And immediately he said, "It was just that twelve yard quick out to Kelsey." And to that point, they had thirteen yards in eight plays. And Blair, you mentioned how bad it looked at the start. Like the the statistic tells the story accurately. It looked really bad over those first two drives. Then Rasheed Rice on just a quick screen pass, just to have just a, a quick handful of yards, um, is a botched play. So they go to Kelsey, and Mahomes is hoping it just picks up a chunk to make a manageable third down. Instead, it gets twelve yards, and that's why I said, you know, getting back to my original point, it's the easiest of plays to Travis. Kelsey just a quick out but it's just indicative of the type of stuff that's been really difficult for this offense and it it should prove to them that 
you don't need the Hail Mary play. Um, you don't need to, to to trick the defense all the time that, you know, sometimes it's it's just really the the quick and easy stuff that can get something going. And it, it's, it's what's been absent, I think, so routinely for this offense over the past couple of months. The uh, production of Rasheed Rice was notable as well. 107 yards, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first – 100-yard game by a wide Chiefs wide receiver this year. Uh, Vahe, you ended up writing about him after the game. Um, the the highlight play, of course, was the 39-yard catch-and-run touchdown, but Rice was good the entire game. He had the one drop, and I know you and I talked to each other after that drop, and I, you know, I, I at that moment, I thought, you know what? Previous Chiefs teams would overcome that. Uh, this one, I'm not so sure, but they but they did overcome the the drop, and it was a drop. I think in the third quarter that forced the Chiefs into a punting situation. Uh, but overall, Rasheed Rice's best game, and he's uh, he's he's becoming the wide receiver, uh, the, the the sort of the lead dog in in that pack, is he not? Yeah, I I, I believe so, and I think what you know what's interesting about that play, I, I, we could. You're right. We both bemoaned that that's the kind of thing they've been uh, sabotaging themselves with those and penalties and particularly in the second half. And and yet they did sort of shrug that off. And I think I'd have to study this. Jesse and Sam might have their bearings on this better than I would. But, you know, he's been good for about a drop a game. That's probably a little high. But, but, you know, he certainly had his share of drops, whatever it is, six, seven, eight. And virtually every time, I think we can point to an example where he's kind of undaunted and goes on to the next. Not only that, the Chiefs are undaunted and go on to the next. So uh, you don't really want to feel like that's part of the DNA. On the other hand, it it does not seem to be emotionally defining to him to have that happen. Um, and, and and look, the uh, the upside is so much more than that. Um, you know, I, I I can certainly recall Sam talking early about this, and I believe Jesse too. I mean, that sort of fearlessness, the burst, the athleticism, all those things really make him stand out in in so many ways. You know, we've seen him be ready to take big hits on touchdown passes from different what would be touchdown became touchdown passes from different angles. That's not what everybody does. You know, they don't they, they he really bucks up for it. So he's got, I think all the tools going for him. And I think, um, you know, I, as Andy put it in the press conference yesterday, what was the term he used? He's learning to become more Patrick friendly. I think that's a, that's, that's beyond, that's a point that goes beyond just, you know, learning the offense. Um, uh, Rashi actually, actually only, that was only his third drop of the season. Obviously he had a major problem with it in the preseason, but when I chatted with him in the preseason, he said the most difficult transition from college to NFL he, he phrased this in the post game against Sunday was clearing a play, forgetting a play and moving on to the next, because he said the expectation in the NFL is to be perfect. And that wasn't the expectation in college. Now you're getting paid to do it. And so he said it was tough to get over that mental hurdle that I screwed that up. Now what? Um, and I, I do think that was an important sequence for him that he drops a pass and then Look, I mean, he just completely he smokes man-to-man coverage on that. Marquez, and I think it was Jesse, you or, or, or Blair who talked to him after, he's wide open on that play. And Patrick's sequence of reads just, just to throw the drag route to Rice, which why wouldn't you? Because he's also open and just smokes his guy. And we were told in the draft that Rashi Rice was faster than the 40-time indicated. That tape certainly shows that he is outrunning 
defenders on that play. Well, he's running the 200, according to him. So he, he certainly hit the hit the micro burners, macro burners. Um, you know, Sam, it's funny. We've talked about this before, the definition of a drop. Um, I guess you're, you're referring to an official stat. It would have been, been my perception that just off the top of my head that there were several others, but uh, I'm not here to dispute you. Um, it just, uh, it, it, I, I think the, uh, the the lessons in this really hold. And by the way, he did use the term clear again um, as he talked about it on, on Sunday. So I think that's, that's the consistent term that he's learned as his sort of mental cue. I thought Matt Nagy had a really interesting comment in training camp when we were there, guys. Um, he was asked about the offense and how complex it is for the Chiefs and, you know, how they love to play, which is like Mahomes and Kelsey have this wavelength that nobody can pick up on defensively because if you are in sync that way, it's basically impossible to stop. But the question becomes, you know, how much of that can be their offense and how much of that is unstoppable and then how much of that is kind of unpickupable for guys like Rasheed Rice and for rookies that you're trying to bring in. And so I think this is probably part of what we talk about the Chiefs and becoming good or better at the end of the season, which is it seems to me like their coaching staff has a good grasp of figuring out what they do have and then figuring out how to make it work. And I think we saw some good signs of that against the Raiders, which is now Rasheed Rice, he hasn't had too complex of a route tree to begin with, but they're figuring out a way to get him a 100-yard receiving game and not have him do just crazy things. Now he's being moved outside more a little bit. It seems like um, in, in terms of that, he's his snap count has gone up, but this might be an offense where the chiefs just can't out ESP the other team as they have maybe in, in other years. And I know that Mahomes and Kelsey are still going to have some of that, but this might be one of those teams where as, as Sam said so well, like if you keep the simple thing simple and you get the ball to a playmaker to a guy who is one of the best yak guys in the entire league, and figure out creative ways to do that and, and keep things relatively clean in that regard, then potentially you can have a better offense the second half than you did the first half. So I think that has to be encouraging because I think the question maybe I get more than any, but any from fans is like, why can't they find a way for Rasheed Rice to get more involved with the game plan for a week? They figured out a way to do that. And as you guys said, his talent shown through. Well, then I think one of the reasons, um, and look, though this is going to be hard to quantify sort of like Bahe's drops stats. Um, but I, I wonder, you know, McCall Hardman and Kadarius Tony were missing that game. And the Chiefs had to go with a slimmer rotation at wide receiver. And how often have we talked about on this podcast, are the Chiefs playing too many wide receivers? What's the effect on the relationship with the quarterback? What's the effect on just a wide receiver getting in rhythm? They only could play four guys, basically, on, on Sunday. And I thought we saw the quarterback in the best rhythm with the wide receivers. It's a small sample size, only one game. But I do think the Chiefs should be asking themselves, is there a correlation between the reasoning that the quarterback and the wide receiver relate? We did not talk. How often did we talk in the press box even about misconnections during that game? I think we thought Patrick Mahomes missed a decision on the second drive of the game where Travis Kelsey was open, which he talked about and said, well, I thought they were going to double team Travis, not both go with Justin Watson. But we weren't talking about misconnections, and that's been the theme of the season. So I, I Again, it could be coincidental, but I think the Chiefs need to at least investigate whether it's not coincidental. I I really love that point, Sam, and I and and I I I think it'll be something for us to really look look at. We'll 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 probably get to see the opposite of it again um, here soon. And 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 but let let's hope for argument's sake that the Chiefs are you know pondering what that means. You can understand the inclination to go that way, guys. I mean, if you're the Chiefs and 
they kind of feel like they can scheme up seven receivers to become three decent ones. Um, that's where you rotate a bunch. That's where you try to get guys in. And it works in other areas. I mean, look at the Chiefs defensive line right now. I mean, they do wholesale subs and the sum is greater than the, the whole of the parts. You know what I mean? They really have had success there. So uh, again, it might just be sort of one of those things, trial and error, and you go out the, the rest of the season and figure out what works. But uh, what happened on Sunday did work for the Chiefs and the offense did look a lot better than it has in, in previous games. Hey, what I really liked about the the Rasheed Rice touchdown was, and Sam, you just you'd mentioned it. Uh, MVS broke free. In fact, he, he's waving his arms, and you know he he probably scores if Mahomes sees him, but he doesn't, and it goes to uh, to Rice. But then MVS gets down, you know, you know, inside the ten or the five, wherever it was, and throws a key block and springs Rice for the touchdown. I really like to see that that he turned around and found a guy to block. And puts his hands up to celebrate. I think that's a key note on that too, Blair. There, there was no what the hell you missed me on that. I don't know if you guys saw the video too. The Chiefs just released, um, but Rashid Rice after the play is mic'd up. He's got video on him. He says, "Hey, shout out to one one. I wouldn't have scored without his block on that play." And he kind of grabs him next to him on the bench, and uh, he said, "Go watch the video. You guys will see it." And uh, we do want to mention the flea flicker too. Early in the game, you talked about to Kelsey. Uh, MBS was pretty open on that play too. I know his safety was rallying to him, but initially he was uncovered on that play as well. So, uh, this is the sort of thing, I mean, MBS for what his production is at whatever 10 or $11 million a year is probably overpaid, but this is the sort of championship type stuff that you see from teams, which is, um, you don't see selfishness. You don't see what's it about for me. And again, I talked to MBS after the game in the locker room and he laughed when he said, I said, what'd you see on that play? Because in the press box, like you said, Blair, we had a really good view and we saw he was uncovered and he kind of laughed and said, I saw it was wide open. I wanted the ball. I wanted the ball. But he's like, I, I love seeing what Rashid's doing. I love seeing his game. And I, I was glad I was able to clear the way for him. And so even through the midst of a couple disappointing games for MVS, I think you're right, Blair. I think it's important to point that out to, to see all these guys are rolling in the same direction and maybe where other teams can kind of splinter a little bit. Uh, that doesn't seem to be where this chief's team or this chief's offense. I really think the only selfish act we saw in Sunday's game was, um, was by the Penn grad, uh, Justin Watson. And that's so typical for, you know, for, for graduates of that school, uh, you know, to collect the penalty after the, after the touchdown, um, I don't know. I just, just can't explain it. Um, and we're going to have to change our podcast name to it needed to be said. We're going to have to steal it from Tyreek Blair because that needed to be said. <laughs> I read where I read where the defense was going on that one right away, by the way. Um, I would just say that, you know, the Quakers are generally taught to have a little pride. And when you get cheap shotted, which, by the way, I'm not really sure he got cheap shotted. It, it looked initially to me like a cheap shot. Uh, certainly it was. Uh, pretty rough and uh he just showed what we used to call a little pepper and go you know he he uh he, he had to show a little spunk there probably uh he would not um uh he would not advise himself to do that uh it was probably not taught that way in college um but it, it's funny I, I thought andy's reaction to it yesterday was kind of interesting it seemed like andy wanted to um not not completely rain on it, right? He wanted to make the point about it. He liked the emotion. He, he liked the uh, uh, response. He kind of understood where the response came from. But you can't have that penalty, and that's 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 just the bottom line. You can't have that penalty. I wonder what he said though. From one, I just spoke say, with him. What did he say? Uh, no, we actually didn't ask him about that. We asked him all about the other plays. Um, 
but uh, is it Robert Spillane, I think, at 41? Right. Um, from from being around the Chiefs locker room and hearing some of the chatter from them, um, he was using some very, very creative trash talk in that game um, to, to the point I, I think some Chiefs had never heard to the type that he was giving. So I'll be interested to maybe reinvestigate this as the Chiefs get a, another rematch with the Raiders here. But uh, it does sound like this was not a one-time incident. The Chiefs, this was kind of a chatter thing in the postgame locker room about what 41 was saying. And look, and all, and all credit to Watson, who after getting, you know, waylaid, gets back up and finds a little space in Mahomes' season for the touchdown. So uh, just it was a heads-up play. I, I just thought he probably must have said the magic words. We'll, we'll need to find out what he said. But um, uh, but he just stayed there a little. He lingered a little too long. I think if he had just had a, you know, quick, you know, take that sort of response, uh, it, he, he wouldn't have gotten flagged. And it turns out, Harrison Butker continuing his unbelievable season, put the kickoff to about the five, kicking it from the 20 and the Raiders, it foiled the Raiders kind of thoughts uh, in, in the last, you know, end of the end of the half offense. So um, all's well that ends well in that situation. Yeah. You, Blair, you can get as nerdy as you want, like me and Sam sometimes do with football, but how much, how many times do those guys talk about playing complimentary football and when the defense didn't start off well, the offense picked him up. When MVS is wide open and he doesn't get the football, he throws a block. When Justin Watson gets that penalty, you think the momentum might go back to the Raiders. Harrison Bucker booms along when Jack Cochran makes a huge special teams tackle. So, yeah, for a game, that's what we saw from the Chiefs. We saw what they would refer to in the locker room as complimentary football and, and guys picking each other up. And that resulted in a pretty impressive victory at the end of the day. One of my other conclusions from this game was – and and I couple it with the the Eagles game the previous week. Um, Chiefs had no turnovers Sunday against the Raiders. It was only the second game this year where they didn't have a turnover. Minnesota game was the other one. Uh, they had two big ones against the Eagles, both in you know the the end zone interception and then the Travis Kelsey fumble uh, in in the red zone. I think if the Chiefs play a clean game against the Eagles, they end up winning that game. They end up padding their lead in the second half and beating the Eagles, which, you know, who have the best record in the league and in the NFL. And and then they have one of their, you know, it turns out one of their more impressive victories this season over um over the Raiders when when they don't turn the ball over. Penalties were low too. We we joked around about Watson's, but and, and Juwan Taylor had a, you know, had his you know penalty or two, uh, but for the most part, flags were down. I, I guess I'm still the belief when the Chiefs play clean football, and maybe many, many teams can say this, but when the Chiefs play clean football, I, I still think they're the best team in the NFL. And uh, the, maybe the previous two weeks uh, proved that. Do I get a hoo-ha on that? I, well, I, I I I think that the offense has had problems well beyond the penalties and turnovers. Just on a yards per play basis, they've really struggled. Right. Um, I agree with you, Blair, that if they don't turn it over and play a clean game against the Eagles, they win that game. But I would add they win that game because of their defense still. Um, their defense has put them in new territory to where playing a uh, clean game has, to me, a higher premium than it did in the past because the offense is unable to overcome some of their disadvantages you know we talked about it last week just the four of us like first and 20 didn't used to feel insurmountable for this offense the way it 
has this year. We didn't used to hear them talk about, oh, we didn't have a false start. It's like a false start. It's a five-yard penalty. That used to be nothing um, for this offense. So on a yards-per-play basis, they've still struggled even well beyond the, the penalties. And look, they had, you mentioned the Juwan, Holt, Juwan Taylor holding call. They scored a touchdown on that drive. Right. First two drives, they did not have penalties. They went three and out on, on both of those. First and 20, I think, and they got the touchdown. So I'll, I'll get nerdy again real quick, and then I'll pass the baton to uh, to Vahe. But um, this is also kind of what goes into having extended drives and why it's so tough to win the way the Chiefs are. They are very unstoppable if they hit the short plays and continue, continue down the field. But um, there's some of these advanced stats out there that talk about every time you get a first and 10, what happens after that? Do you get a first down? Uh, do you, does it end in a field goal? Does it end in a punt? Does it end in a turnover? And if you do that, every time the Chiefs get a new series of downs, they turn over 7% of the time on those. That's actually kind of middle of the road in the NFL. But the problem the Chiefs have is that they're not getting into the, any of the 80-yard bombs. So they are getting more plays. You know what I mean? So with more plays, this is what defenses want. With more plays, you have more chances to have a penalty. You have more chances to make a mistake. And so what we saw against the Raiders is uh, what, what you said, Blair, which is they have a, a really, really good offense if they don't have those mistakes, but that's what defenses are trying to do. They're saying, we're going to bank on the fact that through 12, 13, 14 plays, you cannot just play perfect football. And again, the Chiefs played close to perfect football, football from the second through the fourth quarter, part of that being because of the red zone success, part of that being because of all those things we talked about. But um, the turnover rate, yeah, if those things go away, the Chiefs offense looks a lot different. And the ones against the Eagles were a little fluky. I mean, are you going to count on your Hall of Fame quarterback to, to throw – it right to a defender when his receiver's open? Not usually. Are you going to count on your Hall of Fame tight end to fumble in the red zone? Not usually. So sometimes those things determine games, and they definitely help determine the game against the Eagles. Hey, I, I would I would just add this, and Blair, your point is right to begin with, that probably every team to some degree can say, oh, if we clean this up, boom. But I do think that with the Chiefs, you, you see what the capacity really is with the way the defense has become and what, what we know the offense, I, I still believe what we what we know the offense can generate, whether it's just a tick or two above this, I think the offense is still better than what this is. Um, I think if uh, you have Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones in the opener, probably you beat Detroit. I think if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the flu, probably they beat Denver. I think these uncharacteristic mistakes, they might well have beaten the Eagles. So I don't know if I'm ready to to proclaim that they're they're the best in the NFL because of the warts that they've got and the self-inflicted things, but I absolutely feel like they should be able to um, get back to that AFC title game and have a chance to win another Super Bowl. I mean, really, it depends on uh, whether things like this Raiders game are the start of you know you know more of a cleanup, you know, fixing a lot of these little things that are completely fixable. Boom. Well, the next challenge is at Green Bay, and Packers are coming off their best victory of the season, uh, winning on Thanksgiving Day at Detroit, which still leads the the NFC North. That was an interesting start to the game. The Packers won the toss, took the ball, and on the first play threw a fifty yard pass to really set the tone, and and um, and then they just went on to not dominate the game, but they were the they were in control of that game, uh, and and so this is this will be an interesting challenge. For the Chiefs, Jordan Love has been playing better, and um, and and it's been uh, uh, the Packers' defense has been been better in the last few weeks. So, good challenge for the Chiefs at Lambeau Field on a Sunday night game, another primetime game 
for the Chiefs. And we'll talk about that next week on this podcast. So great conversation with Jesse Newell, Sam McDowell, and Vahe Gregorian. Thanks, guys. And we'll do it again soon. That will do it for today. Monty Davis produced the show. And shout out to our Sportsbeat Casey staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell, Jesse Newell, and Vahe Gregorian for sharing their insights. Hey, we're still going strong with Morning Sports Edition. I consider the nation's best digital sports page. See what I'm talking about by going to liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon talking sports in and around Kansas City on Sportsbeat KC. Beat KC.